And now, for the young in heart and weak in the head, it's Round the Archives. Hello. Hello. I'm Andrew. I'm Lisa. Welcome to episode 20. Of Round the Archives. 20. 20. Amazing. Yay. Come of age. Oh, have you? Well, we will do next issue. <laughs> Get the key to the door next time. Yes. Um, episode 20. Yes. Um, will actually be a bit shorter than usual. It will. It will. We're giving, we're giving you a little bit of a rest. Yes. This um, month. Due to real life getting in the way a bit. This is more of a vanilla issue. Yeah. Boo to real life. Yes. Uh, but I don't think there's anything much left over from episode 19. No. Nobody's told us of any no. major goofs no. anyway. Um, but for this issue and the next one, um, in response to uh, Joe Podcast's uh, letter, letter yes. uh, about what we should do, we'll be looking at series that were shown around the time we were born. Yes, us and Warren and Possibly Nick and Paul as well. Well, maybe. Yes. I don't know yet. If we can get around to well, working out what was on when they we'll, were we'll, we'll see. As I said, you know, this can be an ongoing thing. Yes. To, so we don't need to cram it all into Two into issues. this this issue. Mm-hmm. Um, in other news, we've been doing the blog mm-hmm. continuously, haven't we? Yes, which is, which is uh, amazing. The roundtheachive.blogspot.co.uk. Mm-hmm. You've just been writing about um, O Dr. Beeching today. Yes. So that's just yeah. gone up. Mm-hmm. Um, it's snowing at the moment. I think it's actually stopped snowing. But I've done a very quick video on yes. our YouTube channel about the history of snow in Doctor Who. Yes. Which lasts all of about 38 seconds. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Extensive research there. Yes, of course. But anyway, shall we uh, travel mm-hmm. back in time for our first yes. um, article then? And where so, are we going to? So Warren joins us on the sofa Yes. as we look at Doomwatch. Project Sahara, Mm -hmm. which was shown on the 9th of March, 1970. Wren, Tobias Henry, age 26, male physicist.
Hello, Warren. Oh, hello. <laughs> yes, hello. you are here. <laughs> I'm here. Yes, I'm here too. Lisa's always here. Yeah, I'm always We're here. all on the sofa. We're all we scrunched up. We are squash- you are squashing me. Oh, I'm sorry. I'll try and get off you. <laughs> Ow. Ow. Right. We, <laughs> we have been watching Doomwatch. <laughs> Project Sahara. Yes. Haven't we? Although... Given the DVD, <laughs> um, we've apparently just been watching episode 1.5. Yes. Because yes. that's our first comment. Yes. That the DVD doesn't actually give you the, the, episode, the episode, yeah. episode titles. So no. somebody couldn't be bothered to look them up. So you need to actually go and find a book yes. <laughs> or, the internet or the internet to find out what you're yeah. going to watch. But <laughs> shall we briefly explain what Doom Watch is? I think we should. I, I guess yes. we should. There might be people out there that have not heard of it. Yes. Uh, 1970. Eco yes. thriller. Mm-hmm. Um, concerned with the Department of Observation of Scientific Work, or Department of Observation and Measurement of Scientific yes. Work. Yeah. Well, it does change from episode yeah. to episode. Paraphrase to Doomwatch, doesn't yes. it? Hence the name of it. But Serious? it's a department yeah. um, to basically keep an eye on what, what scientists are up to. Yeah. And it? they're up to all sorts of nefarious, nefarious things. And it's, um, I think... The underlying attitude from the ministry is this has been set up as a populist department. Yes, and they're not actually supposed to do anything. No, and no. when they do dig up stuff, they should keep their mouths shut. Yes. Yeah. yeah. And but, they don't. No, they don't. No. But series devised by Kit Peddler and Jerry Davis yeah. mm-hmm. and produced by Terence Dudley. Yes. Um, later they were to sort of fall out a bit, weren't they, shall yes. we say? Disagreement. Yeah. As to well, which direction the series should go in mm-hmm. but as we say it's episode 1.5 mm-hmm. fifth episode shown but only the third episode that actually exists yes. yeah um glorious it, technicolor mm-hmm. just about it is mm-hmm. actually on 625 line videotape although the tapes are a bit dodgy in places okay. Okay. Yep. yes um i first came across doom watch on some very dodgy tapes <laughs> uh thanks to my good friend simon hello simon when we worked at BDH in Paul. Is that before or after you blew it up? I did not blow up BDH, Warren. Ladies and gentlemen, I am sorry, but the person who was speaking previously before me is an arsonist. <laughs> oh, thank you for that. No, BDH blew up. I did pronounce up. it right as well. And then I joined it. Oh right, was yeah. it? okay. Because I, I always, I always rib you about that one. No, until no, I actually joined sometime after it exploded. Uh, you after, thought you looked exciting. Yeah, I thought you? that's where I want to work. Uh, yes. <laughs> Every that's, day, that's proper science. That is. Every day's a life risk. <laughs> yes, yeah. But yes, uh, Simon had a an enviable uh, video collection, and um, yes, working in a scientific establishment and watching episodes of Doomwatch was uh, was quite fun um sometimes they do some wonderfully bonkers science i think the titration they do in the red sky with like tubes and glassware yeah. and everything like that is again what people think science looks like I, i've no idea what they're trying to do it's it's the old frankenstein step yeah the things set, should bubble and bubble and, and things like that but um static electricity yes we've sure. i've jotted down a load of production <laughs> notes that we this is just what we said as we as we as we watched, as the, we watched episode. the episode yeah. Yeah. this episode was broadcast in 1970 mm-hmm. the week mm-hmm. you were born the week yes. i was born i was born um, two days later on the wednesday at mm-hmm. midday yes fast asleep <laughs> <laughs> but it concerns although the episode title is a bit misleading because although mm. it project sahara mm. is about a sort of defoliant 
thing. It's only touched upon, isn't yeah, it? Yeah, the whole story is really about security. Yeah, it's it? only the top side. And computers. Apart. And computers, yeah, yeah, yeah. the yeah. use of computers yeah. to uh, arrive at opinions on people, whether yeah. they're a security risk or not. Whether they're suitable. Yeah. Yes. The fear of computer, isn't it? The fear mm. of um, too much logic above mm. an, uh, above um, intuition. I mean, in, yeah. some, in some ways, it's a bit like uh, the Ice Warriors, where you've got um, they're nice relying on on yeah. the computer too much yeah. to make the decisions. So, and haven't we got to that stage now? Mm. I mean, yes, we will. We are planning to talk about computers yeah. in some future issues, so we we can sort of touch upon that um, later on. But let me just read out some of the things I've jotted down, and we'll, <laughs> we'll say these are basically, as we say, sort of things that just came to us as yeah. we were watching the episode. Um, so we've said about the tapes being dodgy. Mm -hmm. The first thing I've just put is typing. Oh, yeah. yeah. <laughs> There's varying styles of typing. Yes, yeah. yes. The, the, in the first scene, the pre-title, because there was always a pre-titles sequence mm. with like a cliffhanger going into the titles. That drawer, and, isn't it? Yes. Mm. And there's a technician typing. Well, or possibly playing the piano. What was it you said? It's like Ralph from the Muppet Show yes. playing the piano. Ralph. R Rolf. 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 Sorry. She's talking. She's typing with her knuckles, not her fingers. <laughs> and she's raising her hands up really high to yeah. show she's typing. With wings on her fingers <laughs> and bells on the toes. It's, it's yeah. But much later on, there's a shot. The camera pulls back <laughs> when she's not there. Yeah. And she's knackered the, the space, space bar. Yeah, the space she? bar's pushed into the keyboard. Yeah, into the house. So it doesn't brilliant. really work. <laughs> <laughs> so I've said, why is the monitor covered in a bee's honeycomb? Yes. Yes. Because you've got this computer monitor with, with photos of people uh, coming yeah. up. And it just lo lo looks like the monitor's screen has cracked, doesn't it? <laughs> yeah, it's it this weird overlay on it. I suppose it's to look futuristic. futuristic. futuristic I have no idea. Um, but that would do your eyesight in if you're looking it at would, it yeah. Day, all day. Yeah. Yeah. Going with a headache. But then we go into the title sequence, which mm. implores us to watch Doom. Watch Doom. Watch Doom. Watch. Yeah, sometimes people just call it Watch Doom, don't they? Because yes. you know, that's what it says on the screen. <laughs> it does. Um, I've put tomato trays and triffids. Yes. yes. <laughs> well, they're testing, they're testing Project Sahara, which is a, mm. some sort of defoliant. So, so the, um, the Doom Watch office is just filled with pot plants. Yeah, when there's you, just plants everywhere. Yeah, when you finish playing with your Triffids... <laughs> goes Ridge. Goes, goes Ridge. Dr Ridge, who's um, Ridge. one of the staff. Yes, yes, Ridge. And he's, he's, a, he's a proper 70s scientist, oh, isn't he? Oh, he's a proper yeah. 70s Well, he's proper 70s. Fantastic shirts and cravats. Yes. Oh, yes. yes. But, yeah, we're, we're into colour now, and oh, most of the colour... In the series appears on Ridge, yes. doesn't yeah. it? And okay. it's in your face, isn't it? Yeah. In your face, Ridge. Yes. Spiral staircase, I've put. It goes yes. nowhere, yeah. There's a weird spiral staircase well, it, yeah, outside it, the I office. Think it's meant to be a fire escape, but mm. the way they've done it, 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 you can see it ends at the window. And the worrying thing mm. is, if the place caught fire, they could only go to the roof, and yeah. as we know, flames ray arise. Flames ray arise. Mrs. Brown Blessed. Mrs. Brown Blessed, the future Mrs. Brown Blessed. Right. She's not the Mrs. Brown Blessed at Who this is? point. Hildegard Neal. Mm -hmm. Yes. And I've written. She can't be Hilda. She had no rollers in her hair. <laughs> <laughs> I put Pat can actually type. Yes, Pat she can. can she's doing proper typing. Yeah. Yes. You can tell she's typing by the sound of the typewriter yeah. makes. And then when you actually cut to her typing, she's typing. Watch, she is typing. Yes. And she <laughs> hasn't knackered the space bar no. on a real typewriter. <laughs> on a real typewriter. Uh, polo yes. necks. Yeah. Oh. 70s. 70s. Because yeah. Quist is 
in one of two things a tight shirt um uh, collar and tie or he's in this constant polar neck yeah. <laughs> and if you look carefully he's wearing a it, there's a it's all set over about two or three days isn't it mm. in the third day he's wearing the same polar neck as he wore well, on the Mrs. first day Mrs. Quist's washed it again for him there was no Mrs. Quist no well, or his housekeeper no. or oh, somebody good, washed good, it yeah, yeah. Yes. perhaps he just borrowed one of Ridge's polar necks or Toby's more like it no, I, mean, I don't think Ridge wears polar necks he wouldn't be seen in something no, so he wouldn't, uh, no, boring no. no it's got to be garish for Ridge garish it? yes yeah. spray can with nothing written on it no <laughs> yeah. It's How do they know what over. they're using? Yes. yes, that's the thing. I've got this spray can, <laughs> and you should, you know, Mark as, as a them. scientist, yeah. if it's a toxic chemical, it should be marked. It should be triangle on there somewhere. Because <laughs> somebody just could come up and put it on their hair or something. Yeah. yeah. So that's, that's a very bad bit of science. Mm. I've just written by Eck, which is which is Bradley. <laughs> Bradley. Yeah. He doesn't Brilliant. get a lot to do. No. But I always I always enjoy. But he's always very northern. Yeah. You, you can imagine him going home with a long trench coat, flat cap, walking his whippet at night. <laughs> <laughs> having, a pint of, having a pint of John Smith's. No, I've said Ricky's neck. Ricketts? Ricketts. Rich has Ricketts. <laughs> oh, dearie me. Ridge's <laughs> neckerchief. Yes. Bless yes. you. Mm. <laughs> and then I've just put BBC bar. Mm. Oh, yes. Because we better explain yeah. mm. what happens now. Yes. That, um, uh, Toby, Toby, Toby Wren, who's played Toby. by Robert Powell, yes. Yes. before Blessed he was future. Jesus. Yes, he is. Um, before he was Jesus. Yeah. Um, he, he and yeah, Mrs. Brown and Blessed are, are taken, are suspended from Doomwatch. <laughs> <laughs> oh, I'm sorry, I've just got this vision. Oh, no, let's not go there. <laughs> oh, dear. <laughs> Can I come in and tell you about Toby Wren, please? <laughs> come on, behave yourself, you Sarah, honestly. Doom Watch is... It's actually, Doom Watch is thoroughly entertaining. We've just taken a different slant on it yes, this time. Yes, yes. So we're in the bar. We're in the bar, the BBC bar, yeah. which has got a horse racing match. Oh, yeah. Match? <laughs> What is it? Five aside horse racing? <laughs> it's got the longest horse race ever. Yeah. Because they're basically just playing the same piece of footage over and over again, yeah, cause, thinking cause nobody's going to notice. I, I get it that um, horse tracks are race tracks. Race tracks are circular. Yes. And but they're in the bar for how long? Because it well, was about well. eleven o'clock in the morning, yeah. wasn't it? This yeah. place is open at eleven till three, and then yeah. we go off to this somewhere else bar somewhere yeah. isn't it yeah, yeah. so the mm. thicker horses must be knackered by now no, I think it's just the case of that they're just feeding in the same piece of footage thinking nobody will notice yeah we did nobody yeah. will ever re-review nobody this. will ever watch this, <laughs> this again, again. Yeah. proper 70s cash register oh yeah. yes there it goes ta-ting no sale yeah. no sale um, it's an Arkwright one, but no, you don't catch the your fingers that, in it. The, yeah. the bit that made you screw your face up, Lisa. Oh, God, yeah. Toby's had a little too much to drink, yes, hasn't he? And just a bit. And he's trying he to ba- he basically asks um, Hildegard Neal, yeah. who do you keep it for? Yes. <laughs> what did you think of that, Lisa? Uh, I thought he would have got a slap on the face <laughs> if he'd asked me that. Okay. She was, she was very calm, but she just walked sort of... Walked away, really. Yeah. Surprised yeah. throw her drink over him. Yeah. yeah, yes, that's well. It is the seventies, I suppose, but yeah, so, yeah. it's expensive. Yeah, but now I've written Nigel Stock plus pipe. Oh, oh yes, you or, always get pipe. Or Nigel, Nigel with stock. the stock pipe. <laughs> <laughs> now, um, count the fags was the other thing oh, I yeah. put. 
There's at least three. Yes. Yeah. Um, yeah. Just in that bar scene. Now, this is the thing with Doomwatch. Mm. The character, uh, you've got Toby Hughes, a heavy drinker. Yes. And heavy smoker. Yes. You've And you've got um, Ridge, who probably doesn't, uh, in one of the episodes, doesn't practice safe sex. No. No, he, he quite, likes the ladies. He's quite a philanderer. So they yes. all have their Achilles heel somewhere. Yeah, they've them. all yeah. got flaws. Absolutely. They're not they've got perfect human yeah. beings. Uh, I, th- I would say the only one that doesn't is um, Toby. All right. Not, oh, not Toby? Toby, sorry. <laughs> is Brad. Bradley, Brad. yeah. That's because he's married. He's got a wife at home. You don't need what, all does that, that, does automatically he? wipe out any... Well, yeah, he's, he's beyond all that, isn't he? He's had also, he's the only guys. one that has pens in his pocket. Yeah, yeah. Right, yeah. Okay. so he must yeah. be sensible. Proper scientist, yeah. yeah. <laughs> what, like Les from Fit um, <laughs> Reeves' Big <laughs> Night Out? Yeah. Uh, I've written Doomwatch sponsored by Gardener's World and, Miss- <laughs> and Jeffrey Smith's Fruit Garden. Now, mustard shirts, brown Welcome ties, back. and brown trousers. It's <laughs> the 70s, everything's Mr. brown. Mr. 70s walks into the room, doesn't he? Yes. Wearing uh, his trench coat. Now, who? Brack- Philip. Brackley? Philip Brack? Brack. Brick Brack, yes. Brack. Brack. Philip Brack, thank Brack. you. Yes. yes. Walks in with the 70s archetypal hairstyle, doesn't yes. he? The yeah. brown suit. Yeah, mustard shirt. Mustard shirt and yeah. the brown tie yeah. Yeah. and the trench coat on. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Welcome to the 1970s. Yes. Now, Warren, you, you spotted a, a suspicious bread basket, didn't you? <laughs> and I just wrote two, crust, people, two crusty rolls. Yeah. <laughs> most people have a fruit bar. I can remember having a fruit bowl in the 70s. For some bizarre reason, on her dining room table, for no reason, there's just... A bread basket, mm. as you do. But that's not the only weird bit of set dressing you spot during the course of this episode, is no, it? Is there's a photograph, but you have to be looking for it. Yeah, well, we'll come to that in a minute. All oh, right, so, is there so another we, piece? Well, no, we, we, we'll okay. come to the photograph okay. when it appears. But um, I like the grandfather clock, although it appears if to be broken. <laughs> keeps uh, saying Very the same. oriental, you said, wasn't it? Yeah, it looks mm. sort of talons of wing triangle. But um, there we go. Uh, so what have we got? Uh, it never rains outside. No, nope, mm-hmm. never rains because outside. of the set design. You always get a sort of backdrop of the of the of the sky. Now, how high up do you think they are? We were trying to work out about three floors. I would yeah. say. Yeah. yeah. Okay. Because so because there's there's everything seems to be below them, doesn't it? Yeah. yeah. Um, yes. Uh, now, uh, Nigel Stock is playing Commander Keeping. Mm. Isn't he? And you, <laughs> this is your bad joke, Warren. Safety. You said, is, "Is the national security in safekeeping?" Safety. I wonder if that's a deliberate choice of name. Um, senior service. Oh, mm. cigarettes. Fags. Fags. Um, hidden under the desk. Yes. The interesting thing is, Toby goes to have a cigarette when he goes into um, Twist's office. <laughs> Quist's office. Doctor Twist. Doctor Twist. Yeah. He takes the large, and they are huge 70s packets, aren't they? Mm. But when he takes, other than sort of, you open the packet in front of you, he puts his hand under the lip of the, uh, of the desk, so it covers up the uh, brand name and takes the cigarette oh, out. All right, so, like, you don't, so you said so no, no filter tip as well. No, right? filter. no senior yeah. service don't have a filter tip. Okay. They are still available. Are you still smoking them? <laughs> <laughs> still selling them. And I put Nigel Stock, agent provocateur. <laughs> he does not wear knickers like that. <laughs> Now, what is on the? Yes, there's a brown bottle on the on the on the desk in Hildegard Neal's um, sort of flat, flat or yeah. whatever. Yeah. It's a brown bottle with the label turned away, and yeah. we've just written what is in this bottle? Is it meths or wood preserver? <laughs> yeah. Now, what did you think it was, Warren? I thought it was white horse, which is 
which is a scotch. All right. Okay. But I didn't think it was because there was mm. some in the glass and it, the glass had no, the liquid in the glass had no colour to it. Oh, interesting. No, I didn't notice Which is why you thought yeah. it might be meth. Because <laughs> <laughs> meth doesn't have colour, does it? So perhaps it's sort of vodka or something. I'd written, yeah. I'll call you a taxi. Yeah. You're a taxi. Thank you. <laughs> Hiss, hissy soundtrack. Bacon yeah. and eggs. Yeah. yeah. Hissy soundtrack. And what's more, noisy cameras. Yeah. There's an awful lot of clunking. That's because there's no carpet on the floor. It's a hard floor. Every time Hildegard Neil walks on it, you can hear her shoes clumping, mm-hmm. which must be... I hope she's not on the first floor, because if you're living under it, you get Yeah, especially the noise that. of those cameras moving Yeah. Around. The wheels need oiling, don't they? Cut back to Dr. Quist's office. BBC teacup. Liquid in cup for once. That's always an annoyance in things, where people have cups of tea and there's nothing in the cups. Because you you handle it differently when there's liquid in it to when there's not. And... um, Yes, there's a nice three shot, isn't there? You said there was a nice bit of camera move. Yeah, a nice high yeah. camera move, high camera, which yeah. is unusual for mm. this kind of drama. Mm. But that got a nicely framed three shot, didn't it? I, mm-hmm. I like that shot. Because yeah. this is directed by Jonathan Olwyn, who yeah. does quite a lot of BBC, uh, BBC stuff. Mm. Um, does, a, does a few more Doom Watch. Mm. Um, but yeah, it was, it was it was an interesting sort of um, camera movement there. Um, top Secret, written on the envelope in big yeah. letters. Stamped on the envelope. Stamped on it. Yeah. Written... And Project Zahara. Yes. Not only is it top secret, you're it tells you what it, is. what it is. So you send yeah. it off to the printers. Could you print us this, please? Yeah. <laughs> it's like that filing clause of Axos that yeah. says top secret yeah. in... Uh... In 70s font. Yeah, that's mm. right. Um, so Philip Brack as Jack. Zoom in on envelope, mm. just to make it obvious. And then camera judders. <laughs> now... Uh, why is Bobby Moore in the kitchen? Bobby Moore is in the kitchen. There is a shot, and it's a brief shot. I think it's of um, Brian Blessed's wife-to-be mm. coming out of the kitchen. And over her shoulder is a black and white picture of Bobby Moore. There are no other pictures in that kitchen. And you have to be at a certain angle to be seeing that. Yeah. So I wonder whether it's put up there as a joke for some bizarre reason. No idea. And the camera's just caught it because... It has to be shot at a certain angle. And you can just see a picture. It's an A4 piece of paper with Bobby Moore on it. <laughs> very, very <laughs> No weird. reason at all. There was nothing in the flat to hint there was an interest in football. Yeah. And Either that or maybe it's a, a set used from a different programme. Yeah. And because it was there's, missed. There's no utensils hanging up in the kitchen or visible in the kitchen. It's just flats. It's, yeah. it's basically flats. Okay. But it's a picture of Bobby Moore. <laughs> <laughs> And I've got, who the hell painted that backdrop? <laughs> Le- Lesterson brackets Robert James. Yeah. Nice yes. bust. Because yeah. <laughs> you're in his office yeah. and there's this bloke's head hmm. yeah. turned away from him for some reason. I was expecting it to uh, yeah to, to, to his, eyes, his eyes to light up or yes. something like in The Prisoner. Um, and there's a there's a painting. Yeah, this is the, this is the great one, isn't it? Yeah. And the yeah. painting appears to be Sir Arthur Conan Doyle. Yes. <laughs> and who stands in front of the painting? Nigel Stock. And Nigel Stock was Doctor Watson. There you go. Mm. Elementary. With yeah. Peter Cushing. With Peter Cushing. Mm. Uh, oh yes. Now we go to the uh, computer room <laughs> <laughs> with the with the knackered keyboard, and I've written blue screen. And then the which is how they obviously because it's the only time you re, it, they actually show it's a blue screen, isn't yeah. it? Mm. Um, then the curtains come across. <laughs> it's like like the main feature is I was, over. I was expecting 
the young lady to come out with the trays with the Kiora and the ice cream tops. <laughs> the albatross. And the albatross with a little torch. <laughs> you know, visit, albatross. visit your local restaurant and then an <laughs> organ comes Only up. Only five minutes from this theatre. Yes. <laughs> uh, Lesterson's hairspray and Quist's brill cream. Yes. What's brill cream, Lisa? Brill cream is, it's like a kind of... Um, gel thing that men used to slick the hair. It looks like Brad uses it actually. Yeah. They used to yeah. slick the hair down with yeah. to stop it from he's moving. Got, he's got a real teddy boy yeah. look about him, Ever. hasn't he? Yeah. But yeah. do you think Lesterson's more harmony hairspray? Possibly. Is, I, I, must is he saying Lester, I must stop saying Lesterson. Barker Robert James. Yeah, Barker. Lesterson, Lesterson, Lesterson. No, Warren, this is your fault. I've just written... <laughs> <laughs> I've just written... It's always my fault. It's not a Poe. <laughs> Why did you think I was... got you to stop it? Didn't I? I said her flowers are in a pot. <laughs> it wasn't. Just it wasn't a tall pot. Just a tall pot. It was um, too deep to be a pot. Yeah, she might have a weak bladder. <laughs> Cut to bric-a-brac shop <laughs> with old Mister Pipkin in the window. Not with Brian Cant, no, but with Eric mm. Chitty playing old man. Mm. Who's got a young man as well? Yes. Um, well. You said he was the milk tray man. <laughs> he's dressed as the milk tray man. <laughs> Not Eric Chitty, the other one. Well, because Electri- Eric Chitty likes milk <laughs> and you, tray. And I put, is the set on fire? <laughs> yeah, it's, it's, it's meant to be fog outside. So he opens the door and this wave of smoke That's comes. That's because BDH chemicals are on fire. <laughs> yeah, dry ice. Oh, is it like Graham Harper's wafting smoke yeah. in from mm. outside? Yeah, don't let Graham Harper anywhere wafting smoke. He gets overexcited. Because of your milk tray thing, I'd put all because the lady loves top secret documents. <laughs> and there's one. There's not much incidental music in this episode, no. is there? But you do get a wonderful... Oh, melodramatic sting. Dun, dun, dun. <laughs> sting. <Crash soon. coughs> uh, creaky chair, I've put. Mm. Oh, yeah. Robert James has Robert got a creaky James chair. Robert James has got a creaky... It's like a sort of Reggie Perrin chair, isn't mm. it? Um, and, I put, and on the conveyor belt tonight, a fondue set, a cuddly toy and a corpse. <laughs> a Chinese dragon. And a Chinese dragon. And a policeman that's too tall for the And I the put door. policeman in a box. Yeah. <laughs> Come on, what's going on here? Well, the, they, it's, it's they, a... <laughs> go on. It's a, a viewing window, isn't it? So that you can yep. see They're the body the of a deceased person. Yes. Who is... Who is yeah, her boyfriend, go, mm-hmm. her lover. Jack. You go through Jack. the identity yeah. process, but it appears that he's been more scratched. Yeah. <laughs> well, he was dragged along the road. Oh, was it? Oh, I missed that That's bit. what they said. He was dragged along behind oh. a car by the sound of it. He wasn't, so. he wasn't attacked by the rats. Wasn't attacked the by the rats. Episode. No. Yeah. Oh, right. okay. I thought the milk tray man had scratched him. Yeah. Yeah. His nose aren't that long. Then, then, then we get some more music, but this is jaunty music. It's very jaunty music. It's very inappropriate. Terry and June. Terry Terry and June. It's a compilation Terry. of people doing things. June's off shopping. Yeah. Yeah. Cut to Pat typing again. Yeah, properly. 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 Mm. Uh, we like Pat, don't we? Do we like Pat. We like Toby, Pat. Toby yeah. does a Bernard Breslau impression. He does. Because yeah. he's a bright lad. Yeah. <laughs> but it's, it's, it's proper private pop away, well, isn't it? And then mm. and then Quist gets his moment of triumph. Yes. really. Because yeah. um, the whole point about this um, episode was that they were making decisions based on the computer's recommendations. Mm-hmm. But in the end, Nigel Stocks um, sort of was was on to her boyfriend just through intu- intuition and experience, wasn't yeah. it? Mm. Um, so that's, I, I think that's that's the bit where, where it sort of Chris comes into his own finally because he can, yep. he can get to do the, uh, 
get to do the sort of moral speech bit at the end. Absolutely. But what do we think is is an episode? It's probably not the most memorable of no of stories because it doesn't have the sort of shock impact of. So yeah. Tomorrow the, the Rat, rat. Or, or, pla- or, yeah. or, or Plastic Eaters. Or, plastic eaters. or, 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 or the to- Uncomfortable of, of the um, Red yeah. Sky, is it? Mm. Yeah. Or yeah. Who yeah. Killed Toby Wren. Yeah. yeah. But I Basically think- every other episode. We're trying to- <laughs> <laughs> no, that's not strictly true, because yeah. I enjoyed this. I very I much enjoyed enjoy this. Yeah. And it does actually, you know, for all the taking the pee that we've done... It's fun. It, it, we, <laughs> the thing with Doom Watch is sometimes you've got to look with it a, a, a bit of fun, mm. but you've got to, you've got to realise the, the serious underlying uh, nature of but the But it's, it's still asking, I think, important <laughs> questions oh, about, about security. And, and, you know, it, it is the sort of thing of, you know, the, if the computer says something, mm. then, you know, computer says, no, I can't do that. Yeah. And it, 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 is a, it does give the warning about sort of relying on computers to make important decisions that human beings yeah because should make. Should make. it's too logical yes or no no gray mm. area yeah human beings we have a gray area so yeah, yeah. there you go so I that's project that, yeah. sahara yeah. Good, fun. good fun and that's the highlight of the week that you were born warren there really yeah. isn't much else on that week that's worth watching. Well, there was, there was I should on... have crawled back into the womb and waited another year. <laughs> <laughs> well, there was on the buses. We did offer you that. Yeah. Yep, it's, yeah. it's, it's you know, mockingly jo- jo- described as comedy, but I'm like like a bus. I'm still waiting for the comedy to arrive. <laughs> <laughs> well, Joe Podcast suggested you do that, but yeah. yeah. There you go. Yeah. There's Doom Watch, Project Sahara, available yes. on DVD. And Absolutely. We, you know, it's a great series. It is. A, well, yeah. Just don't yeah. binge on them. No. no. Take them They're one, a little yeah. bit, um, hard, not hard to watch, but they, they probably don't leave you with the best frame of mind if you watch more <laughs> no. than one. No, but yes. it's. And a, it's it's sorry. worth it for seeing, seeing Stephen Dudley's hat in Tomorrow <laughs> the Rat when he puts the goes, Oh, look, pussy! God help us all. Thank you again to Mr. Warren. Yes, thank you, Warren. Even though you made us all get the giggles. <laughs> well, he just does that. He makes yeah. me laugh. So, so that's fine. And once you started, you couldn't stop, could you? But uh, yes, hopefully Warren will be back very soon. Yes, I'm sure he will. Yes, we've yes. got some things planned. So we have. We shall see. Yes. Um, but now we're very pleased to uh, announce a new voice. Yes. Uh, now, we said this issue was going to be a bit short. Mm-hmm. but oh, shorter. Shorter. But... After we said that, mm-hmm. we were very pleased to receive yes. a piece from Mr. Martin Holmes, yes. who's going to introduce himself mm-hmm. um, very shortly. 
Um, he's interested in doing beginnings of things, yes. which is an uh, interesting idea. So he's going to be looking at episode ones of things. He is, yes. Um, all across the board. Yes. And he's already got some very interesting ideas he for has, yes. where we can go with this. Yeah. So he'll say hello, talk about episode ones in general, mm-hmm. and then we'll go straight into his piece for this episode, which is about the young ones. Matteo. From 1982, I believe. Yes. I do remember seeing it. At the time, I used to mm-hmm. used to very much enjoy the young ones. So, uh, over to Martin. Then we'll come back, and then you've got something, haven't you? I have. So we'll yes. be back soon. Then, yes. ta-ra! Bye bye. I've been giving a lot of thought to beginnings recently. Well, to be honest, beginnings are far more enjoyable than the gut-wrenching horribleness that surrounds the average ending. Beginnings are full of hope, possibility whereas endings are usually about misery and death, and, in television terms, knowing that no matter what revivals or reunion movies may come, for the show as you know it, apart from reruns, this is the proverbial it. Goodbyes. I've always had a problem with goodbyes. They're so brutal. This, of course, is something of a new beginning for me, having hidden under a rock full of shyness and fear for several decades, and I'd like to thank Lisa and Andrew for the opportunity for me to at least attempt to do something so very far outside of my comfort zone, and make a new beginning to my relationship with the great big scary world of telly-loving folk, all of whom are probably far more qualified than I am to burble on about such things. Beginnings are kind of why I like pilot episodes too. Somehow, in extremely subtle ways, they can be quite different in mood and tone to the rest of the series, as elements get tweaked or actors become unavailable between the filming of the pilot and the series getting the green light. Quite often, iconic sets have yet to be built, and the shows are shot in what ultimately seems like the wrong house, and characters are slightly altered from the original version. Sometimes, of course, this takes the heart and soul out of what made the pilot appealing in the first place, but usually it just means that, on later viewing, much-loved characters may have the viewer going, what the heck? So a show like Elementary will have the wrong sidekick, a detective who is never seen or heard of again, and Sherlock himself habitually uses an upstairs room with a view across the park that he suddenly chooses never to venture into again. Hill and Renko are shot down mercilessly in the Hill Street Blues opener, only to magically reappear when the producer found them amongst the most appealing characters. There's a nice moment in some of the early New Avengers episodes, where the credit montage uses film from the screen tests of Purdy and Gambit because the editors didn't have enough action shots. The first episode of M.A.S.H. bears little relationship to those that follow, and almost none to the film of the book that inspired it. Interestingly, the movie manages in slightly under two hours to cover the same two-and-a-half-year war that it took 11 seasons on television and a great many Christmas episodes to get through. Don't get me wrong, Some endings are pretty great too. Over three decades on, Hawkeye and BJ saluting Colonel Potter in Goodbye, Farewell and Amen can still have this grown man find that he has something in his eye. One of the most famous pilot not much resembling the show you came to know and love stories is, of course, Star Trek, where even the less cerebral and more action-adventure and almost unheard of second pilot has set designs, characters and costumes that don't much look like those in the episode surrounding it. Incidentally, Where No Man Has Gone Before remains one of my personal favourites, and is well worth checking out if you get a moment. Even our perennial British television stalwart, Doctor Who, had the pilot episode shot, and it was also one that was rejected and refilmed with subtle changes. 
mostly to remove some studio gaffes, but also to soften the more unearthly aspects of the alien lead characters, and to add more of an air of mystery to their backgrounds, both of which were probably very strong factors in making the show the long-running phenomenon that it has become over the past half-century and more. My own relationship with Doctor Who has some quite vague beginnings. Nowadays, I tend to think to believe that I became a fan because somebody bought me the Target in an exciting adventure with the Daleks paperback back in 1973, but I can remember being rather giddy with excitement when I heard that there was going to be a Radio Times special magazine that year, and dashing to the newsagents to pick up my copy. A long time ago, I wrote an article for the Doctor Who Appreciation Society's TARDIS magazine, in which I recollected my earliest memories of watching the show. I have vivid recollections of Patrick Troughton complaining about the redecoration of the TARDIS in The Three Doctors, and a few earlier memories of scenes from Colony in Space and the Demons and the Sea Devils, but not much earlier. In fact, I suspect that most of my more vivid recollections come from the compilation repeats that used to turn up from time to time during those years, usually when the cricket finished early. Back then I didn't think much of cricket, but sudden unexpected Doctor Who somehow seemed utterly magical to me and got me well and truly hooked. It's a slight irritation that my big sister, who used to borrow my Target books to read in the bath, once saw a picture of the Dalek Emperor, I think it must have been in my Radio Times special, and told me she remembered that one. I don't. I was three years old when that now lost classic was on. I cannot overestimate just how influential those Target books were in making me into a fully-fledged bona fide Doctor Who enthusiast. Even now, those first couple of dozen books, mostly based on John Pertwee stories that somehow failed to be quite as exciting as they were on the page, fill me with a joy that's hard to explain. Those are the ones that still get my buying finger twitching when the audiobook versions appear on sale, and yes, as a 50-something bloke with no kids, I do have a house full of audios of what are essentially children's books. There's still a box full of the ones I had as a kid too, and I think that the only way I'll ever be willingly parted from them is when they chuck all my stuff into a skip after I've fled this mortal coil. Oddly enough, since the episodes have become mostly available on video and DVD, those earliest memories are becoming slightly less certain as the gaps have been filled in by being able to watch the episodes in full whenever I like, and having done so several times over the years. Once in every lifetime, A full six months before the Blackadder arrived on BBC One with all its budget-busting attempts to become a new vehicle for one of the corporation's rising stars, a very different show appeared over on the other side, by which I mean, of course, BBC Two, where four rising stars from a very different comedy background were given an opportunity to create a brand new something. I'm going to mull over the strange lentil-scented brew that is Demolition, the very first episode of The Young Ones, the BBC's valiant effort to contain, control and attempt to understand the shiny new alternative comedy scene and shape it into the familiar form of the sitcom. 
ironically very much aimed at young adults in a way that it would itself satirise within this very episode. The young ones blew a veritable hurricane across a television landscape that was almost bereft of entertainment aimed at that particular age group. Channel 4 was looming large, and having launched just a week earlier, it looked as if it might be going to play terribly well with the youth audiences that the BBC were failing to engage with, and this series looked very much like it might tick all the right boxes. Strangely, the choice to make them students does already distance them from much of the disaffected young and poor of the Thatcher years, but the general air of anarchy seems to have appealed regardless. That said, I was a student myself around that time, albeit not a particularly rebellious one, and I had a friend who maintained that there was more fun to be had in the average episode of Terry and June than anything this show had to offer. Some people are born contrary, I suppose, or maybe he had a point. The summer after this series was on, I was unlucky enough to attend one of those parties held in the house of someone with terribly well-off parents, and at about two o'clock in the morning, someone declared amid the carnage that they had a tape with all six episodes of The Young Ones on it, and they hijacked a room in which to watch it, as the sleeping drunks lay all about him. I think I managed four, and it felt as if my mind had been bludgeoned with a misery bomb as I sloped off towards mattresses new. It was so relentless in its faux anarchy that you really felt as if your entire consciousness had been pinned up and spat out whilst you were pogoing in a mosh pit. Maybe that mosh pit had been a comfy sofa in a dark suburban living room, and I'd even known back then quite what a mosh pit was. Three performers, well known amongst the alternative comedy scene, Adrian, sorry, Aid Edmondson, Nigel Planer and the already familiar Rick Mayle, mainly to television comedy viewers from his Kevin Turvey stints on a kick up the 80s, were teamed up with an actor, Christopher Ryan, to create four deadbeat yet distinct character types, unfortunately enough to be sharing some frankly terrible student housing as they worked on their degrees at Scumbag College, whilst trying to avoid paying their rent to their landlords, the various members of the Bolofsky family, as played by comedy club compare Alexi Sale. So far, so very middle-class suburban. Nevertheless, watching it all again now, it all seems rather as if it's trying just a little bit too hard, and whilst the performers are eager to show off their alternative comedy credentials, they also seem not to want to upset the apple cart back the hand that feeds, or basically annoy the BBC too much, as if knowing full well that their own personal future successes and ambitions are very much dependent upon that establishment behemoth. There is very much a sense that this is as close as the BBC ever gets to broadcasting full-on anarchy in the UK, even though there's a cosy tendency to cut away just where the expected expletive should be, whilst trying to make some sense of what this new alternative comedy thing that the young people find quite appealing might actually be, and whether they ought to be doing some of it. See also, nosing around. That's right, nosing with a Z, because that's the kind of show we are. Ben Elton plays one of the performers in that segment, and he's also the co-writer along with Rick Mayle and Lisa Meyer. Alexi Sale provides additional material, and that's the core of what become the writing team behind a heck of a lot of 1980s comedy. That said, as directed by Paul Jackson, it's an odd beast, as a collection of forces of nature try their best to weld themselves into a coherent whole. As a slice of the world as we lived it in 1982, it does all rather feel rather too familiar. Much of it fails, some of it spectacularly, and yet somehow it all sort of works. Sort of. Which life's life, really, if you think about it. The episode itself opens with Rick Mayles, for I think it is him, semi-terrible performance of Cliff Richards' The Young Ones single being played out over some frankly quite terrible wacky graphics that show, perhaps in an homage to the monkeys, on a quartered screen of some low-grade video disc photographs taken on some dreadful campus somewhere introducing our four heroes and their various character traits. 
Aid Edmondson's anarchic pseudo-punk, Vivian, with a penchant for, of all things, Hawkwind, electrocutes himself comedically. Over a series of stills, Rick Mail's Rick is all peace signs and anti-nuclear symbols. Nigel Planer's Neil is very much the bored, yawning hippie, and Chris Ryan's Mike is seen having bribed his way to a degree, so perhaps we must assume he's, Lord help us, a postgraduate. Maybe that's overthinking it. Or one of those people who seem to hang around on campus for several decades beyond their initial three years for whatever reason. We all knew one of those people. That said, the line, shouldn't be afraid, from the song backing the credits, is the definitive version, and is now the only way it should ever, ever be performed, especially by people of a certain age. The final line of the song that we hear, but we may not be the young ones, but we may not be the young ones, gets stuck in a loop and doesn't fade as we cut to Rick dancing to himself on the radio in a frankly hideous kitchen also populated by Neil. And as Rick switches himself off and announces just how brilliant that was, a full quarter century before Facebook bludgeoned the meaning to death and beyond, his character is immediately sketched in as he and Neil spend a full five minutes discussing Cliff Richard, lentils and poetry. To be fair, they don't so much discuss Cliff as Neil basically asks what about Cliff Richard and Rick, as he will, takes massive offence at this perceived slight, which is, of course, to anyone who's ever talked to another human being ever, a perfectly judged and characteristic response. We then get the Nigel Planer hot pan of lentils scene, which is very strangely performed. Throughout this scene it appears as if Neil is acting on a stage and is very much playing to the audience as if this is one of his familiar comedy club routines. Perhaps it was. Anyway, lentils, or dinner as the characters like to think of it, ends up on the floor just in time for Rick to walk through and read his poetry from. A full five minutes in, Mike arrives, played by a real actor, and gives a peculiar performance as he's not entirely sure what he's doing here or what's going to happen next. Also intercut with this sequence are the first of the young one's rather legendary appalling puppets. A pair of rats who, in their first sequence, discuss the various cuisine on offer in the various houses around the neighbourhood. And in the second, after one has been bludgeoned by a guitar built out of matchsticks by a relative of Neil's and retrieved from a terrifyingly horrific refrigerator, one eats the other because it's what he would have wanted. Back at the kitchen table, there is a dispute over the bread that has been spent. Neil then taps the lentil pan and calls for the first of several house meetings to explain that the extortionate £4.50 each was because he'd made 13 lots of food because he's going to kill himself, which he then departs to do, much to the ambivalence of all the others. Ah yes, the suicide jokes of the early 80s. Always fun. Then, a full ten minutes into the episode, Vivian bursts through the wall, bearing the exposition. The council's going to knock the house down and proceeds to spend the rest of the episode demolishing it from the inside so that they can't. Throughout the rest of the episode, you'll see possibly the wobbliest walls that you would ever see on British TV since that one on Faulty Towers, and you might notice with not a police box or a Dalek in sight. Vivian also brandishes the leg he's got from the morgue that he's supposed to write an essay on. Take a drink if there's a reference to university studies he thinks he might attach it to the front of his car. It's a nice little touch as the bright yellow Ford Anglia with Go Faster Flames painted on it that we see him driving in the location work later does indeed bear that very leg as its own version of the Silver Lady. But I'm getting ahead of myself here. First of all, we have to see the after-effects of Neil's typically well-planned suicide attempt, where everything works except the length of the rope. Happily for Neil, this was not witnessed by anyone, or so he thinks. We cut away to the first outsider seen in the show, a couple of dreadful hags in the best theatrical tradition, sitting on a passing bus, saw the whole thing, and end up remarking unsympathetically on the stupid hippie, and saying that he needs a good, hard cut to studio. For the rest of the studio-based part of the episode, Neil will be confined to sitting on a toilet, and the running gag of him getting soaked in various ways. 
from a soil pipe broken by Vivian on his demolition quest to the cistern collapsing. Meanwhile, downstairs, in the best tradition of those early Venus Smith Avengers episodes, we have a musical interlude with Nine Below Zero, a kind of proto-The Jam combo, blasting out one of their hot tunes. Rather catchy little number, I thought. Stuck in my head for a while, but I've forgotten it now. Actually, the sudden unexplained appearance of some rock and roll combo or other is another of the things that stick in the memory from watching the young ones back then. I seem to remember it had something to do with getting an entertainment or variety budget or some such. The band seldom interacted with much with the cast, apart from Suggs from Magnus, I seem to remember. And they were all very much from the alternative music scene, which did rather appeal to those of us so despairing at the blandness of most telepap music back then. Vivian and Rick headbang furiously along with the music, while Mike remains unmoved, sitting in position, waiting to continue the cutaway edit later. And so, having reached around the halfway mark, the anarchy continues. This is television seriously playing around with itself, as it were, with ever longer interludes unrelated to the main plot sitting alongside Vivian's various attempts to bring down the house. The godfather alternative comedy, Alexi Sale, suddenly arrives as a heavily accented member of the Bolofsky family, possibly Jertsey, judging by the 50s Hancockian hat and overcoat, pretending that he's a full British citizen by making outrageous references to Bobby Charlton and so on. Breaking the fourth wall, he launches into one of his classic angry monologues in his more familiar Liverpool drawl, starting with, I'm not really foreign, you know, and then, with a quick back to the acting, he's back in character and being financially outwitted by our heroes before departing to return in the next episode. Mike gets a chance to play a rather lame I never knew there was so much in it gag with an edition of the TV Times, younger viewers may not recognise that well-known advertising slogan, and despite the mountain of garbage that does fall out of it, it's possibly now most interesting for having Dennis Waterman and George Cole on the cover promoting a new series of Minder. Rick settles down in front of the telly to watch some brand new telly programme aimed last at young adults, or so it is claimed. This is, of course, the nosing around sequence mentioned earlier, and whilst it does have a lot to say about television's notions of what youth programming ought to be about, not being able to drink in pubs at 16 mostly, and unhip university professors with names like Roland Purvisal, nicely underplayed by Anthony Sharp, trying to look trendy and spout meaningless drivel about youth unemployment. Although I must stress you have to have a degree. <laughs> All to a techno beaten with ghastly presenters, it'll seem to hang around just a little bit too long. Although, as an old Oxford Roadshow viewer, I did enjoy Christine Ellebeck on the gantry, sorry scaffolding, for no good reason at all, and this does serve to remind me that Ben Elton did spend rather too many years fronting that particular kind of programme later. That smug git persona he was portraying never seemed far enough removed from actual smug gittishness, if you know what I mean. Mercifully, Rick smashes in the unconvincing blue screen TV in frustration, and the ensuing demolition brings us crashing through a wall where Cyril Shapps and Hilary Mason take us through a strangely touching Brechtian, or, or maybe it's Chekhovian, interlude lamenting the passing years over the heat of a fading light bulb. This is all underplayed beautifully as Rick decides to complain about the noise and Vivian proceeds to carry on with ever more demolition to increasingly fragile looking scenery. With some relief, we leave the studio and spend the last several minutes of the show burning up the location filming budget on a chilly looking snowy morning somewhere in the suburbs of London. Rick is hanging from a shockingly daring crucifix in protest at the impending demolition of his home, which I imagine was intended to be shockingly daring, but I imagine would get far more reaction in these easily offended times than it did at the time. I suspect that the target demographic probably just thought it was funny, and those who might have been offended, apart from one or two more devout students, probably 
turned it off during the first five minutes anyway. Mike, meanwhile, had donned a pair of ghastly skiing sunglasses and, having found out that the council representative is a woman, a woman played by Maggie Steed, no less, sets about trying out and apparently succeeding with his best seduction techniques. Neil gets to do more pratting about with massive lentil-filled saucepans, and Vivian takes on the demolition team in his souped-up Ford Anglia with aforementioned human leg attachment. An aeroplane is spotted, and with our heroes firmly signposting what's about to happen, as a tribute to Quatermass and the Pit, probably, we cut to the interior of a very unconvincing cockpit, inside which Andy Delator and that Paul Bradley bloke who used to play Nigel on EastEnders when I used to watch it, basically crash the plane into our heroes, their house, and I imagine most of the street, as we cut to some frankly bonkless and yet utterly memorable end credits music. Ah, perhaps I ought to have issued a spoiler alert because they all die at the end. Although of course they don't. Next week they would be back in a more structurally sound and far more iconic set to discover oil and listen to Radical Posture and sing Dr Martin's Boots at them, but that's for another day. It's hard to explain what an impact the young ones actually made upon the TV comedy scene in the 80s. Much like the alumni from Not the Nine O'Clock News and the Fry and Laurie Footlights gang, most, but not all, of the comic strip performers would be pretty much everywhere within a very short space of time and shaping what we saw on all four channels for much of the next decade or so, and leaving this show behind them as they went. Like the BBC's Faulty Towers, there would only ever be 12 episodes made, and unlike Tom and Jerry, upon which a lot of Rick and Aid's comedy seems to be based, these characters would not survive their final bus ride to oblivion, at least not until Cliff answered their call. Their influence is phenomenal, though. It gets everywhere. While I was working on this piece, I suddenly remember my own small contribution to their legacy, a comic strip drawn very poorly about three years later for a Doctor Who fan magazine, I suddenly remember drawing it. I wasn't even sure I'd ever actually sent it off, but after a brief rummage through the attic of my own crumbling pile of a home, I found it. Written and drawn in those pre-Google days from memory, and adapting some of the best gags. You know what? I even thought some of those gags were still quite funny, which means that despite everything, the original probably was too. The Young Ones would go on for another 11 episodes over two short series, and it would get far better, tighter and far funnier, leaving some genuine all-time comedy moments behind it, as well as a classic number one charity single, and it sparked a lasting legacy of other notable sitcoms before the young ones started getting far less young and began doing stupid things like dying far too young. Because sadly, even for the people's poet, it seems we may not all be the young ones very long. Thank you very much to Martin for yes, that. Thank you, Martin. It's a lovely article. Now, very I, d I do remember his uh, Young Ones cartoons. Oh, right. Okay. I, re I remember them because mm -hmm. I think they were in TARDIS. Yeah. Which was the Doctor Who Appreciation Society sort of um, quarterly magazine, not mm -hmm. the actual newsletter, Celestial no. Toy Room. But and with stories and things in. Yeah. At the time, mm -hmm. TARDIS... Um, was was the sort of yeah the the the, the actual fanzine version yeah um, and yes I do remember those right, <laughs> I, okay. I did I did enjoy them at the time because I just okay. thought it was a rather clever idea mm -hmm. um, but yes yeah, so as we said hope, hopefully Martin will be back very well, I think very he soon he probably will be because he's already submitted some some more some more stuff yes. which is fantastic I say it's, it's always it brilliant when yes when like when, having when, new voices when when people. Yes. When people sort of uh, volunteer stuff. Yes. So, yeah, it takes it off of our shoulders. It, it? does, yeah. yes. Um, but now, um, for your birth 
thing. My birth week. <laughs> Your birth week. My birth week. You're going to be looking at uh, Ace of Wands. I am. And you've actually got your Ace of Wands top on, I haven't have, you? Yes. Yeah. Where did you get that from? I got that from um, Red Bubble, and it's another Clayton Hickman special. Ah, yes, so, of course. Yes. But what was on the week you were born then in Ace uh, of Wands? In terms? Ace of Wands, it's actually the first episode mm-hmm. of The Power of ATEP. So, yes, <laughs> the power of ATEP. The power of ATEP. Yeah, it's not the best Ace of Wands story of that season. Um, that's probably the next one along, which is Peacock Pie. Ah, I do. The, uh, I do like Peacock written Pie. Written by um, PJ. PJ. PJ Hammond and starring the uh, the wonderful Brian Wilde. Mm-hmm. But the power of ATEP is it's a perfectly serviceable story. It's your Egyptology story. Every sci-fi and fantasy series has to have an Egyptology story. <laughs> At some point. At some point. Apart from Blake 7 because that's in space and there aren't Egyptians in space. But uh, even uh, even I've done an Egyptology story because... Um, oh, you better explain oh, that. Oh, about yeah. 20... Oh, when was it? 23, 24 years ago. Mm-hmm. Um, Andy Ching. Hello, Andy. Um, we He wrote a story. He's very interested in Egyptology and yeah. he wrote a story... Um, called Child of Anubis. So this was for a this video. Was a, a video, an amateur sort of filming thing. And I played the creator, cre- creator, curator, <laughs> even not the creator, the curator of the British Museum. Ah. So I had a scene with Nick, who was playing the uh, professor of Egyptology and was involved in the main part of the action. Um, I was also. Um, the did Did you actually film in the British no, Museum? He not? filmed in there. We just filmed outside. All right. Um, in the it, days that in you the could. days that you could, you'd probably get arrested now because if you've ever been to the British Museum recently, they do bag they searches. do bag searches and, and, and make sure you haven't got any sharp things and everything. Um, I also did a bit of filming in Salisbury. Um, I was um, the shoulder of a policewoman. <laughs> you didn't play the whole police. No, woman, just, you, you, just saw, you just saw my back and sort of the back of me, and I was also. Um, uh, You're in some somebody's sort of care carer, yes, yeah. in Nick's back garden. All right. Yeah, in a bright yellow t-shirt because that's all I had. You said about changing your costume. I or did, yeah, because it was it was the middle of summer, so it was quite hot, and I had this sort of suit that I was going to wear. So I just I had a, I had I had had a long skirt on, and I had to change it for a short skirt. So rather than go inside 
the short skirt was a wraparound one, so I literally just wrapped it around my other skirt and pulled the other one off underneath <laughs> without exposing myself to anybody. And okay. then did the reverse, pulled it up over and pulled the other one off. It's always glamorous for me. It's very isn't glamorous, it? yeah. I and mean, it... I could have got in and used the toilet, but I don't know if you had to queue then or not, so because now you have to queue to get in as well because of the bag searches. <laughs> But so, yeah, so that's my little sort of contribution to the world of uh, Egyptology. Anyway, uh, so, but back to Ace of Wands. What we were supposed to be talking about, yeah. yes. Now, yes. what is Ace of Wands? What's Ace the, what, of who, Wands. Who's in it? Oh, who, who who's in it? Oh, gosh. Well, it's it's um, created by Trevor Preston, mm-hmm. who has written for a lot of different series, including The Sweeney. Yes. And he, he sort of thought that there was nothing really... A lot of children liked watching drama programmes that were aimed at adults. Mm. And he thought, what if I, I, we could create something that children like to watch, but adults like to watch yeah. as well? And that's basically what he does. And Ace of Wands is... Um, it's all around the lead character of Tarot. He goes through many other names, and I haven't written them down, but it's in the book there if you wanted to have a look. But yeah, he's got lots of other possible names. Oh, it was a bit like Adam Adamant yes, lives lots in of the... sort of variously silly names. <laughs> um, and he's a magician. He's a stage magician. But you don't know what he is. Yeah. You don't know about his parents. You don't know where he's come so, from. So who plays him? Uh, Michael McKenzie. Right, thank you. Who got the job at the last minute. But apparently they were getting quite desperate to find someone to play and they were coming up to the first production session and they watched him cross the car park and he obviously looked around and they went, yeah, he'll do. <laughs> he walked in an interesting way, Yes. Yeah. Yeah. So, <laughs> uh, yeah, the first and second seasons also star um, Judy Lowe yep. as Luli, who's his assistant, and um, Tony Selby, or Selbs, as we like to refer to him, as uh, Sam, who's his sort of man about town mm-hmm. you need a bit of muscle sam's your man so <laughs> so but yeah so the and the, unfortunately the first two series of ace ones do not exist in any format no um they've but, all been wiped from the archives i mean we we always face this problem in shows that we sort of cover yeah but ace of wands is because there's nothing existing of yeah. the first two seasons i never feel i've quite got a handle on it no um, no. you, you, there's, there's too much missing, and yes. and of course, as 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 always, it seems to be that the missing stuff is perhaps the more interesting. It's the good stuff, yeah, yeah, or the, or the better, the stuff. better stuff. Yeah. You got because you got an, a story from series two, um, seven serpents, sulphur and salt. I mean, we've talked about this before, yes. but yeah, with um the wonderful Russell Hunter as Mister Stabs. Yes. Um, and it's such a shame that doesn't exist because it looks wonderful. Hmm. Uh, but it's a little bit offbeat. Uh, even though it's aimed at children, it's slightly off kilter. Um, you know, hmm. it's 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 not your your standard children's. Uh, so it's not free wheelers or anything like that, which yeah. are a bit more action adventure. I mean, it was later replaced by the Tomorrow People, yes. and we did do some polls on Twitter polls, and Facebook, yeah. and Tomorrow People won. But only just, it but wasn't by much. considering how, yeah. I think the thing is, most people of our age probably know the Tomorrow People a lot better yeah. than they know Ace of Wands. Because it exists. Yeah, because it, it exists. Entirety. So considering the sort of handicap of yeah. its sort of, you know, being a bit more obscure, I think Ace of Wands did fairly well in yes. that. And and somebody like Paul, for instance, yes. he really likes Ace of he Wands. He does. Yeah. He does. He finds it more interesting yeah. than much of the Tomorrow People. Yeah. But, yeah, and... So by the time we get to the Paravatep, we're into the third season. Mm-hmm. We've got a new a new producer, yeah, 
um, and Sam and Lily have moved on. Yes. So you get two new um, companions for Tarot, for want of a better word, and that's uh, Chaz and Mickey, mm-hmm. who are introduced in the first story of the season, which is the previous story, which is the Meddlers. So that's Roy Holder and, uh, and Petra Markham. And Petra Markham, yep. yep. And um, they work quite well. Roy Holder's a bit of the comic relief, I think. Yeah. Um, you know, if somebody's going to get knocked out or fall over or do something, it's usually Roy Holder. He's there to sort of provide a bit of the comedy. Mm-hmm. He's not the hard man that Sam is. And I say that, I can't watch it and see, so that's just reading on what Sam is intended to be. That's my take on it. Yeah. So anyway, the Power of tip is um, it starts out with... Um, well, the Gumbies, m- isn't it? the Gumbies, <laughs> yeah. yeah. You've got this sort of dream sequence because yeah. um, Taro and Mickey are both dreaming the, the same, same dream, dream aren't yeah. they? And there's all these worshippers. Yes. Um, and they're going, hey, Tip, hey, Tip. Yeah. And they sound really gormless. They do sound really gormless. It, yeah. d- it just yeah. sounds like they should be there with knotted hankies yes. and gum boots and going, gum. my brain hurts. <laughs> yeah. so, so basically they try and work out well, Mickey tries to work it out. Tarot doesn't really seem that bothered, <laughs> yeah, to be all, honest. It's always happening to him, yeah, that sort of thing. It's just like normal. Dr- I mean, weird dreams. Weird are, dreams. Why do I get weird dreams? Yeah, I had a dream today dreams. that I'd fallen through the stairs. Yes. And I was like trapped next door yeah. under the stairs. I or don't something. know how you'd get next door through the stairs. I don't know, it was weird. Um, yes, yeah, so you'd just be in the cupboard under the stairs with all the magazines. No, I was by their front door and I had to <laughs> climb up through the stairs, but I couldn't fit because I was too big. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> Sorry, <laughs> that's thrown you, hasn't it? Yes. Um, so yeah. Anyway, Mickey decides that she's. Well, she doesn't really investigate further, but she gets a leaflet through the door from a um, medium called John Pentacle, which is, you know, that. How many pentacles yeah. do you know in your real, I, real life? I've never heard anybody called Pentacle, and the fact that he's a medium is a little bit suspicious. Mm. And this will follow up later in the story because he's not all, all that he seems. Mm-hmm. Um, Tara, on the other hand, goes to see Mister Sweet, who is that? He's he's the sort of fourth member of the team. Yeah. Um, and he used to run a bookshop. Now he's living in a um, university. Yeah. And he's sort of the expert. If you don't know anything, you go and ask Mr. Sweet, and he normally knows. He's the internet. He's the internet, yeah, basically. <laughs> but um, if you go and ask Mr. Sweet, you'll probably get the right answer, and you like will. the internet. Yes, but you quite often get the wrong answer. And Taro goes to see him, and I think he mentions ATEP, doesn't he? Mm-hmm. And ATEP's mummy's just been stolen from the British Museum. Now, bearing in mind, this is 1972. Mm-hmm. And Tutankhamun is doing a world tour. <laughs> is he? Yes. <laughs> doing his one man show. His, his one mummy show. So at this current moment, when this has been um, filmed and shown, uh, Tutankhamun's mummy is at the British Museum. So I'm just looking at the dates, and yeah. the recording date for episode one is the sixth of June, yeah. seventy-two. Transmission is the 9th of August. Yes. Um, Five twenty p.m. Mm-hmm getting 3.8 million viewers by yeah. the way which is pretty good for a kid's show not bad. Yeah. it's not bad so yeah there's a lot of egyptology in the air at this moment which is mm-hmm. possibly what um in made victor pemberton yeah, who is the writer. yeah we should say this is written by victor um, pemberton yes think of it so so yeah anyway um basically they end up with this there's this book 
the power of ATEP, and it's it's all about ATEP. I love I love the font on the yeah, on the it, front. It's it uses just, the same font as the series uses. Yeah, which is yeah. <laughs> you're going. Somebody just stuck that on with Letraset. Yeah. yeah, yeah. And and ATEP was um apparently a powerful priest and magician mm-hmm. to the pharaoh Tutmosis the third. Mm-hmm. I think it's Tutmosis the third. Um, I haven't got the, the hand. Hang no. on, I've got I've got the. Uh, mm. Ace of Wands Viewing Notes by yeah. Andrew Pixley. So yes. I'll just skim through them yeah. very briefly if you carry on so, talking. Yeah, so he's meant to be really powerful. Yeah. And you get a sequence where Mr. Sweet can hear, apparently hear, Atep's voice. And he's saying about kill tarot. And then Mickey's gone to a seance held by John Pentacle and you get it here. Pentacle, yeah. And you get it there as well. Right. Um, meanwhile, Tarot has decided this is the time to do to practice his um escapology oh yeah they chuck him in they, and they lock. chuck him in teddington lock which looks freezing cold um michael mckenzie says that he he because he, he was acting the part yeah. he could be more brave but he still looks <laughs> but then i think he's meant to as the character because the character is supposed to get stuck isn't he yeah so i think that's why he looks the way he looks but yeah he doesn't look that brave <laughs> when he comes out but you wouldn't, would you? He's probably swallowed a load of dirty, horrible, t- you know, water of the Thames. So, yeah, that's the cliffhanger to episode one. Because mm-hmm. each episode ends on a cliffhanger. It's very much the Doctor Who format of... Uh, it's not quite 25 minutes, probably about 22 or 23, because you get the advert break. And it ends on a cliffhanger. Yeah. So, episode two... Um, they don't go to Egypt in episode two. That's episode three, isn't it? Yeah, episode two is basically them trying to work out what's going on. Yeah. Um, so it's a bit of a padder episode. It's a bit of padding in there where they try and they go to and fro from places and they go back to John Pentacle's house and there's nobody there apart from a tramp, comedy <laughs> tramp. Um, so, yeah, and basically they end up in e- Egypt. But obviously uh, it's uh, not Egypt. I was going to say, there's, it's, there's, it's, there's film work and some OB work yes, as well. Yes, which the OB work together, is but. in a quarry somewhere well they've got a camel they've got a yeah, rather confused looking camel and, and a jeep stroke land rover land rover and some ponies <laughs> um to make it look like egypt it doesn't really look that much like Egypt. it's, it's shot quite nicely there's some really nice high shots in actually yeah i'm really they, surprised yeah when they've climbed up to do those shots yeah. they went, oh actually somebody's made some effort yeah. there yeah and there's a shot in episode one where um because tara lives on a boat at this point and there's a shot where it's shot behind his Ozymandias. We haven't mentioned Ozymandias. That's his owl. Oh, Fred Owl. Fred Owl, who, who is now Frederica. All right. Because it's it's Fred Owl's sister. So they've called him the Frederica Owl, and yeah, they, they shoot it behind him. So you've got the owl in the in the foreground of the shot and Tarot in the background, and it's really rather nice. It's really been thought out quite well. Um, so yeah, it's, it is nicely shot, but. Yeah, the third episode sees them in Egypt, and there's a again, it's a bit of padding. Is that where you've got Ali Bongo Snake? Is that episode three or episode four? I think that might be episode. Four. I think that's when they first go to Egypt, yeah, it is, isn't it? Yeah, it's episode three. Yeah, yeah, they needed a snake in um, coming out of a basket, and obviously you can't really get a cobra in because it's a bit dangerous. So, and um, nobody at Thames was really capable of because you haven't got the background of like the BBC effects, which. Obviously, get on the BBC. Ali Bongo made a snake, <laughs> and it's it's not bad. It's it's. Should we explain who Ali Bongo oh, is? Oh, Ali Bongo is their magic advi- magical yeah. advisor. Yes. Um, because obviously Tara has to do magic because he's a, he's a stage magician, 
And Ali Bongo was really quite well known at this time. Mm. Um, He'd appear on a lot of kids' shows. He did. There's the Shake of Araby. The Shriek of Araby. The Shriek of Araby. And he would, yeah, he'd do magic and. The um, moustache and curly slippers. And he had oofal dust, didn't he? Yeah. (laughs) And he used to shake his oofal dust over stuff. And I'm I'm making gestures. This really doesn't work on a (laughs) Um, and And do magic. But he was David Nixon's magical advisor, and he later. David Nixon, the, the magician, and he later went on to advise Paul Daniels. Mm-hmm. So he, he did a lot of advising, but he used to teach Michael McKenzie stuff. Yeah. Um, and stuff they couldn't do practically, they would do with effects. Mm. But, but th- you have to bear in mind, Thames was still learning at this point because they didn't have the background that you would get on no, other channels. No, no, no. So if it looks a bit rough and ready sometimes, that's because they're just trying stuff. <laughs> and, you know, fair play to them, a lot of the time they put it off. Now, this, this new character turns up, Fergus. Fergus, Fergus yes. Wilson, Fergus Wilson, who's an archaeologist. Yeah. Though he looks a bit scruffy to be an archaeologist, but maybe, you know. Well, archaeologists are scruffy. I've, uh, met, yeah. I've met archaeologists. Yeah. Well, yeah, I suppose you're right, Phil, yeah. I was going yeah. to say, you've been to the pub with the old I, archaeologist, yeah, haven't you? One archaeologist. Yeah. yeah, well, I've been to the pub with lots. Yeah. I once went to the pub with an archaeologist who said um, he... Um, now, where was it? He was um, doing some work on, I think, snails in cliffs mm-hmm. so he was i think he was like somewhere like brighton or somewhere like that and he was like lowered over the edge mm-hmm. in a basket to get the layers of, of right. snails that yeah. were in the cliff and he was staying in some bed and breakfast <laughs> and um a sort of landlady um happened to mention that uh, another archaeologist had been there a couple of weeks before and mm-hmm. And and this chap found out this was true when he found the previous archaeologist's trousers under the bed. <laughs> <laughs> so right there you go. Yeah, okay. So, All yeah. right. Okay. I'll there you go. So, anyway, um, so getting back to what we were actually supposed to be talking about. So yeah, so they did all the stuff in Egypt, and there's a lot of um, apparently psychic things going on because. Mm-hmm. Uh, Mickey gets given this little figure, which was actually um, Victor Pemberton's. It's a little sort of mummy figure, isn't it? Yeah. Oh, which yeah, is used yeah. as a psychic focus. Um, so, and you get to the last episode, and you have this thing where Tarrant, Tarrant, Tarot gets <laughs> shut in Atep's tomb. Yeah. With John Pentacle, mm-hmm. or as he is otherwise known. Now, what's he called? Quabao. Quabao, mm-hmm. who he's his ex stage partner. Yes. Which just happens, um, so he's out for revenge. This whole thing has been about getting revenge on Tarot because he dropped him from the act. I was because say, they, it they wasn't split up, good. didn't they? Yes. Yeah. So, um, so, yeah, he does this face off thing and then basically it just sort of peters out. At it the stops, end. doesn't it? It just stops. Nothing really resolves it. He says that ATEC wasn't at all powerful, he was just some sort of piffling court magician now th- this is the sort of criticism we we sort of made of the of the story yeah. that um you either do it so that you have awoken some ancient power yeah. mm. and in which case the resolution surely is that tarot um has some great psychic battle with it yeah with perhaps mickey and Chaz, you know providing backup in yes. some way mickey is as maybe a, a sort of um, scientific, uh, uh, psychic focus. Yes, because she's got a link with Tara. Yeah, and, yeah. and Chaz doing sort of beating up John Pentacle or yes. something like that. Yes. So you could either do it like that, yeah. or you say it's complete nonsense, mm-hmm. and it's all been a load of tricks by uh, Quabal in the first yes. place. Um, but this sort of 
resolution it appears to be like halfway between yes. doesn't it it's he almost won't... as though they couldn't decide yeah which way to go with it so they decide to do both yeah and not yeah. and sort of there's this sort of sort of voice isn't it at the mm. end and Chaz just tells it to shut up and it yes. does yes yeah. and then they do Star Trek laughing at <laughs> and it's that sort of ha 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 that's yeah. the end of the episode yeah, yeah. so it's a little disappointing it I is. thought the end the actual yeah. ending there's no great there's no great battle at the end no. or anything, anything no. like that I mean there's a few magic tricks and things like that because yes. they're they're like sort of um producing flowers like yeah. sort of you know John yeah. Pertwee and things yes. like that but um yeah I mean it's it's a perfectly watchable story, yeah. but as you said, none of these things we've chosen for these episodes mm. are particularly spectacular. But I think it's interesting in that we've just effectively landed on random episodes, and in some ways that's more true of the series than look than choosing to look at a particularly good one, yes. which I'd say Peacock Pie is, yeah. or or a particularly bad one. Mm-hmm. Um, so this is like the standard. This is a bulk standard for the episode. series, and yes. and and it's perfectly fine. Yes. You know, I'm not in a hurry to watch it again, particularly. No. But you know, going through it, no. you know, it it was interesting all the way, all the way through. Yes. And it's, it's fun. It's it's possibly more fun than tomorrow. The tomorrow people in the fact that it's not tomorrow people can be a bit um, overly serious and preachy mm. about, which is good because it's. I mean, especially with the fact that you get characters in the tomorrow people that are not your, your standard white males yeah. you get you get elizabeth who's who's um a woman of of um color i don't know if that's how you should say it but still and you get tyso who's mm. in the gypsy community yeah. um so yeah and, and obviously i think breaking out is all about um possibly you know being gay and coming out as that kind of person mm. So, yeah, uh, The Tomorrow People is a good series in that way. But Ace of Wands is fun. You can watch it and there's nothing serious in it. It's just 25 minutes of entertainment. I mean, you have the thing with Ace of Wands, of course. I mean, not wishing to spoil how the final episode yes. ends. Yeah. But well, it is 40-odd years old. Yeah, but they sort of, I think they sort of thought they were going to do a fourth season, yes. didn't they? So they ended uh, on a bit of a cliffhanger. Yeah, so... If you actually watch what exists in order, you get mm. to the end and you go, "Oh, um, what mm. happens next?" Yeah. <laughs> so yeah. it's, it's a bit frustrating that yeah. you don't know. Yeah. Yeah. So if it was Sheldon, yeah. he'd be phoning up the TV company, going, "What happens next? We've got to make another series <laughs> to find out what happens." I mean, there was, you know, they were thinking about doing a fourth series and yeah. sort of half thinking about storylines, yeah. I guess. And then, um, and then, and they then sort just, of heads of department changed. So it didn't and, happen. No. Yeah. And but, it's a shame because I think a fourth series would have developed it further. But what exists, I, I, I very, I, you know, I enjoy very much. Yes. Um, I think the only story I've still not got round to seeing is Mama Doc. Yes. Because um, when um, we had our sort of original very bad tapes of Ace of Wands, I think that was the only one that was rare at the time. I don't oh, know right. why. Mm-hmm. Um, but now, of course, the whole it's all out on DVD. thing is on DVD, as we said with a. Lovely booklet by yes, by Pixley Special Andrew Pixley, of course, running to what have we got eighty eighty eight pages worth mm-hmm. of info in again, quite small writing, <laughs> but yeah, I mean, as I said, enjoyed it. Yes, um, not the most spectacular of stories. No, but you know, not every story mm. is. No, well, it's, it's yeah, it's just that like standard episode. Yeah. 
But it's good that you arrived and able to and able to see episode one. Yes. You didn't arrive halfway through the story, no. which would have been annoying. No. Well, I probably, <laughs> I didn't see episode one anyway because I spent a few weeks in in yeah. in the hospital because yeah. yeah, I came a little bit early <laughs> more of which we will talk about in a minute okay well thank you for that Lisa okay. and then we're, we'll look at we'll jump ahead then when we come back and we'll look yes. at what October yes October 1972 when you when, sh- when I, you should have been when I should have been born what was on Welcome back. Yes. And to wrap this issue up, <laughs> uh, we're going to look at October 1972, when yes. you should have been. When I should have been. Just an addendum born. to the oh, yes. Ace of Wands the thing. second. Took Moses, Moses the second, second not, not the third. third. No. But anyway, what series were about in October 72, and what right. episodes and stories were there? Then? Okay. Well, Ace of Wands was still going. Mm-hmm. So, because you've got um, from the 20th... 7th of September to the 11th of October, Mama Doc, as right. you mentioned. Yes. Uh, then you get um, uh, the beautiful paper, I think it is. Mm-hmm. I've lost my... Where is it gone? I put it it's right underneath it. Ignore it. That, that, yeah, the beautiful people, which is on from the 17th of October to the 30th of... Sorry, the 17th of November. To the 30th of November. So there must be another story in between there. Sisters, Sisters Deadly. Sisters Deadly, of course. Sorry. I've written that down as well. I've just written it further down. Not very organised, honestly. <laughs> so, yeah, that's... that's funny. Sisters Deadly starts on the 18th, 18th of October. Of October. Yes. So that bridges the gap between the other show. Yeah. Um, so, yeah. Uh, um, you've also got news, the second series of New Scotland Yard. And we will get round to doing New Scotland Yard because we've talked a lot about <laughs> it. And one oh, of the yes. episodes we want to do is, is, is on in... The twenty on the twenty seventh of October. Which but, one's that? That's a gathering of dust. Oh, that's that where one. they get yes. they, they they found um they're doing some building work on a build on a building like you do, uh, and they found a, a skeleton. Not a skeleton. Not a skeleton, and um why uh they go in to see it, uh John Woodvine and and uh, John Carlyle. They get trapped. They get trapped in there. Yeah. The wall comes down, so they spend about. 10, 15 minutes episode, episode, that, yeah. yes, of the episode trapped in a claustrophobic situation yeah. with with John Woodvine's character taking it totally in his stride and being <laughs> totally fine and John Carlyle's episode uh, John Carlyle's character um, gets a bit sort of nervy and hysterical yeah. um, but the actual first episode of, of the second series of Scotland Yard is nothing to lose Nothing, that, nothing to live for. Nothing to live for, sorry. Yeah. And that's um, Philip Maddock, isn't yes. that? That's Philip Maddock and the shotgun. And isn't the shotgun, it? yes. 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 Hold, hold the shotgun by the barrel. Yeah, he doesn't actually say that. But, uh, so, yeah. <laughs> with Mark Jones. With as Mark well. Jones. But yeah. anything with Philip Maddock in is always worth watching because mm. he's always superb. Okay. So We also get um, there's a couple of things that debut that month. Debut. There's debut. Um, and one of them is Emmerdale Farm. Oh, right. With. Um, a certain Mr. Fraser Hines. Okay. In, which starts on the 16th of October. And that first episode is directed by Tristan Devere Cole. Ah. So, um, and you've got the original. Because, uh, of course, this Jack. is this is Emmerdale 
Farm. Farm, yes, point. not Emmerdale. Yeah. It was Emmerdale Farm. It was in the afternoon. It's something like 2.30 in the afternoon. And it was, yeah. So you get the first episode. You also get the first episode, I think that's on the same day, because I haven't put a date down, of Rainbow. Oh, okay. And that's got a certain Mr. John Leeson in it. Oh, as the scary bungle the bear. That's evil scary bungle. Yes. And Peter that's Hawkins yeah. as, as, Zippy. as Zippy, isn't it? Yeah. yeah. Um, yeah. And what links that in quite nicely to Ace of Wands is that the former producer of Ace of Wands, Pamela Lonsdale, mm-hmm. is now the producer of Rainbow. Oh, that's true. So that's what she left to do. Yeah. She moved on to it. Because so. it's their sort of attempt to do sort of Sesame Street, isn't it? It is, yeah. sort of. Well, well, in the same way that Pipkins is as well, yeah. really. But um... On a much smaller scale, obviously. <laughs> no budget. So, no yeah. budget. So, um, and also one other notable thing for ITV, these are all ITV series, by mm-hmm. the way, is that the second series of Upstairs Downstairs starts on the 21st of October. And of course, this series will see the demise of Lady Marjorie. Oh, all right. Later on in the series. Yeah. So, so it's notable for that. <laughs> so if we move over to the BBC now, um, there's a lot of police series going on yeah. in October. In fact, you've got three of the m- more well-known police series all running at the same time. Because you've got Zed Cars, you've mm-hmm. got Softly Softly Task Force, and you've got Dixon of Doc Green. Oh, yeah. So and they were all running... During the week, During the it? week, yeah. apart from what? And Dixon of Doc Green. Dixon Saturdays. Dixon Saturdays, yeah. but Softly Softly and Zed Cars are on a Monday and a Tuesday. Well, Zed Cars is Monday and Tuesday, I think. And Softly Softly is on the Wednesday, I think. And Sykes as well. Okay. There's a series of Sykes on. But, um, yeah, there's, there's some really good episodes of Zed Cars, though. Uh, I think we've seen all of these because all of these actually exist and they're out on DVD. Um, none of the Dixons exist, unfortunately. No. Okay, it's, it's a little um, early for... Yeah. Because the so. Dixons are, are a little bit later than most of what yes. survives, aren't they? Yeah. yeah. Well, no, there are from some, some from 72, just not these ones. <laughs> so... But yeah, the the Z cars are takes all sorts, which I think is the John uh, George Co- A. Cooper one. Sins of the Father, which I remember nothing about. Damage, which is a PJ one, so therefore blooming weird. <laughs> and oh, public yeah. relations, which has got Gareth Thomas in it. Yeah. Uh, the softly softlies, I don't think we've seen. Uh, they are dog eat dog, bank rate on the third day, and the witness. Zed Cars, uh, not Zed Cars, sorry, Dixon of Doc Green, mm-hmm. are The Fingerman, Trial and Error, Gunpoint, and Written. Okay. Um, one of those is a Johnny Wheels episode, which is a shame it doesn't exist because they're always good value. <laughs> and then for the, the Sykes, you've got Menace, Boat, Stranger, yeah. which we'll talk about in a second, and Football. Okay. Now, the reason we'll talk about Stranger is because of the guest star. Ah. And the guest star is a certain Mr. Peter Sellers. I was going to say, this is, when it comes to episodes of Sykes being repeated, yes. it's the one that's always repeated, yes. isn't it? Yeah. Yes. But I think this is the original showing for it. Um, they just spend the whole episode not looking at each other in case <laughs> they get the giggles, because Peter Sellers was a terrible giggler anyway. I mean, the, the actual... Um, because there, 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 there are some sort of outtakes that yes. survive of it. And they're, yeah. they're as bad as me and Warren. They yeah, really they are. are. They just get the giggles and they can't look at each other. <laughs> and 
I mean, they're meant to be professionals as well. We, we would never claim to be professionals. <laughs> but, you know, they're getting paid for it and, and just giggling like a load of little girls. <laughs> and Peter Sellers is the worst culprit. He really is. Well, he's, I, I know, I mean, <laughs> there's the tales, of course, of making, yes. um, you know, the Inspector Cluzo yes. movies. Where nobody can really look where, at each where other. Where nobody can look at each other. And, <laughs> you know, you take all day to do one scene. Yes. Uh, you couldn't quite be as bad as that on Sykes because you actually had to get it. Get yeah, you didn't it have the time. But, but, uh, yeah, it is, it is one I know. I know quite well that episode. Yeah, but, yeah, but I mean, it's and it's an interesting episode. It's, Sykes is a bit odd. Well, sometimes. it's purposefully a bit strange, yes. isn't it? Yes. Yeah. Well, um, yeah, I didn't mean it like that. Yeah, it's purposefully odd. Yeah. And this is one of the odder episodes because <laughs> it, it it ends up with Peter Sellers in drag. Yeah. Yeah. And then he gets arrested by Corky, doesn't he? <laughs> Good old For Corky. shoplifting yeah, or something. something, like something like I can't remember. But yes. Because uh, yes. Eric Sykes has to dress up as his own sister, yes, doesn't he? he does, yeah. yeah. It's all very silly. It is very silly. Yeah. But yeah, I mean... But it's an interesting month. Yeah, there's a lot you going know, on in There's a lot going on. But yeah, it's, it, but it's just interesting that whereas now the BBC's schedule contains a lot of medical programmes and... Um, house hunting programmes and cookery programmes. Mm. In October 1972, it's absolutely jam-packed full of police programmes. Police was in the air, wasn't yeah, it? Yeah, police dramas. And but, each one of them is very good. Yeah, but they're all, they're all very different as they well. They are very different, because, yeah. you know... Um, I suppose Ted Carson's office and Sophie are fairly similar, because they both sort of originate from the same sort of area. Yeah, yeah. But you got your Dixon and Doc Green, which mm. people do... As we've said before, people think, oh, yeah, Dixon Doc Green, that's, that's a bit sort of cosy and old-fashioned and it's not cosy mm. did we say about crown court we didn't say about crown court but that's because i didn't write it down all oh, right i was gonna say but yeah, yeah there are some crown courts um on during the day yeah. on itv in october 1972 and i think one of those is we're just looking out but i'm fairly sure one of those is one of the ones that have been released on dvd which is Lieberman versus well if, Savage. if it's 72 it's all the early stuff yeah. so yeah all of this is is there so, um, which is an interesting one and it's got wolfie morris in it um, so let's have a look. The, let's uh, have a look, of course, because because there's so much Crown Court. There you, is a lot of Crown Court. Well, yes, as we said, yes. when we've never quite made it. No, you know, beyond about the first year or year or two. Well, we, no, we, that's we, because they haven't released beyond beyond the first year or two. Uh, well, <laughs> yeah, Doctor's Neglect is. They don't didn't show that one. That's I'm trying. Oh, is it? It's untransmitted. Oh, because it says the eleventh of October there. No. But, all right, I'm fairly okay. sure that was untransmitted. Okay. Oh, the pilot was anyway. Yeah. Maybe oh, on the yeah. Lieberman were... versus Savage. Yeah, eighteenth of October, seventy yeah. two. That's right. Yeah. So. Yeah. So all of those are. Yeah. All those are available, aren't they? But if you want a good um, overview of Crown Court, um, look for Ivan Kirby's blog about it. Oh, that's right. It's very good. Yes, that's true. He yeah. goes into into great details about all the episodes, yeah. down to um, what was. In the charts yes, at the time. Yes, he, he, he can give you um, far more detail than we can yeah. on, on Crown and, Court. And, he, and there's some great pictures of the jurors. Yeah, <laughs> oh, so, yeah some weird looking jury. Yeah, with the hats and moustaches and things. Right, there we are. So that's it's, October 72. That's it, yes. Okay, well, thank you, Lisa. Okay. Okay, and I think that'll just about wrap this issue up. Okay. Um, so um, we're, we sort of know what we're going to do in... 21 21 yes we'll do more of the same really well yes so, yes this is yeah. this is quite a rich vein actually it is. of, it is. of That's varied stuff decided not to squeeze it all into one episode no. so but we'll yeah. we'll do the end credits now we'll, yes. we'll say goodbye and yes. see you next time then we will bye bye bye, bye.
You have been listening to episode 20 of Round the Archives, starring Lisa Parker, Andrew Trowbridge, Warren Cummings and Martin Holmes. Thanks also to IT Williams. On the musical side, you heard Dan Tate and Paul Chandler. The script for Ace of Wands, The Power of Atep was by Victor Pemberton. And the producer was John Russell. <laughs> <laughs>